Be seated. Hey, let's give the youth worship team our appreciation one more time. I think it's a, a wonderful thing that God has so equipped um, our young people in this way. And I know that uh, this is just a foretaste of what God's going to continue to do in our church. And so I encourage you to, to uh, spend some time, get to know them a, a bit. Take the opportunity to shake their hand and, and bless them and pray for them. They are um, a very important part of our congregation. And... Um, We need to be a part of reaching out to them. I bring you greetings from Pastor Brett. Although I haven't spoken with him uh, since he left, he has told us no news is good news. So um, we have been praying specifically, and I would encourage you to pray specifically, especially in two weeks as he returns, that the Lord would have favor on him as he flies. As you know, He's a very tall man with very long legs. And thank the Lord, he provided an exit row for him for his first uh, uh, leg of his journey. And we've we've been praying for business class upgrades. So so if you would uh, hang in there with that as well and pray for him all week long because I know that the Lord um, desires to use him well in this capacity uh, teaching um, these guys who are, are being equipped for um, really life-giving and life-saving uh, ministry there in the Sudan. Well, I'm wondering this morning, how many of you like to receive gifts? Anybody? Yeah, a lot of us do, actually. And, and it just so happens that I have a gift here waiting for the first person to raise their hand. There it is, right there. All right, look at you, second row. You're one of those people that probably plays bingo, right? Oh, yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, when a gift is given like this, um, tell me this, is it a gift until it's, uh, even when it's still in the package? Is it really? Okay, so it could stay in the package and still be a gift. You get a lot of delight from it. The truth is, it's a delivery. It's a delivery until it's opened up. I invite you to open that gift and discover what's in the package. And when the package is opened up, we experience the gift. Now, a gift is, what'd you get? A chocolate chip cookie, all right. Yeah, hopefully the sugar rush will keep you awake for the next 45 minutes. You know, um, gifts are given to benefit the recipient. Gifts are gifts really only if they're received. Am I right about that? They have, reception is a big part of that. Now, the Lord has provided for us spiritual gifts. They are given for spiritual benefits. They enhance the quality and the capability of the life of every believer. We're going to take a look at those this morning. 
does everybody have one of these handouts? If you, if you do not, would you raise your hand? And the ushers would be glad to bring one. Keep, keep your hands up so that they know who to hunt down. And then once you get it, you could leave your hand up, but I would say take it down. It'll get tiring there the rest of the service. So, All right. Spiritual gifts. Now, you'll see here on this handout that there are different types of spiritual gifts. In fact, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul highlights three different types of spiritual gifts. We're going to take a look at those this morning, and we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So I'd invite you to turn your Bibles there to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And put a marker there because we're going to be coming back to this passage numerous times throughout the morning. Beginning here in chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Now this word varieties, varieties, it's a Greek word that has the connotation of division or classification, distribution. You get the picture? There's categories involved. There are varieties of gifts. And here in verse 4, we see that first variety, the word gifts itself. The word gift there is charisma. That's the Greek word, charisma. Now, it's interesting. We have that word transliterated in the English language, don't we? What does it mean, a charisma? I'm sorry? Uh, something that draws a, an individual to another, perhaps. Yeah, that it's, it's, uh, we talk about charisma being the possession of those who are very gregarious and, and uh, have the ability to communicate well and so on and so forth. They're, they're, they are charismatic type people, right? Um, and we see this word spelled out in Romans chapter 12. If you would turn there, now keep, remember, keep a marker there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but go to Romans chapter 12. This word, charisma, gift, is most specifically a grace gift or a gift of grace, something God has given by virtue of his grace. Romans chapter 12, that's to the left a few pages. Romans chapter 12 highlights these types of gifts. And I'd like for us to read together, beginning in verse 6 of Romans chapter 12. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. These gifts are listed in the left column on this handout. And you'll see that the title there of, uh, above that is motivational gifts. 
These are gifts that are given to individuals that have to do with how they operate, how they're motivated, what really gets their motor running. And that is a big piece of who God has created us as individuals to be and who he fully liberates us to be as we become followers of his. Now, let's look specifically here at verse 6. Since we have gifts, since we have gifts, we, every single believer in this room, has one or more of these gifts that are listed here. Every single one of us. He goes on to say, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each, every person, every individual, let each exercise them accordingly. Let's put them to work. Let's use those gifts. Let's practice them. Let's perfect them. Now, this phrase, let each exercise them accordingly, is, is, a, is a single thought, and it's an imperative thought. Now, you who are English majors, what's an imperative mean? Those of you who are not English majors, what <laughs> does imperative mean? Tell me. Say it one more time. Command. command. Okay, a command. Thank you. A command, yes. In fact, it is a, a statement, you must do this. Uh, it's, it's a polite way to say, that's an order. You must exercise. Now, these gifts, again, are motivational gifts. And they are tied to our spiritual growth, our health. Because it gets to the core of who we are and what makes, us, what makes us do the things we do and respond the way we respond. They are very personal. And as a result, because we interact with one another, they also have a role to play in the corporate body of Christ. They are prophecy, service, Exhortation. Exhortation is a fancy word that simply means encourager or encouragement. Giving, leadership, and mercy. Now, I would love to dig in and tease this out a whole lot more this morning, but we're going to wait to do that next week. So hang on to your seats for that. God's going to speak to us next week about how these individual gifts really operate in our lives. What the... What the uh, the joys and the pitfalls of each one is. So plan to hang in there with me next week on that. Um, we're going to move on to the second category of gift or the second variety of gifts. Back in 1 Corinthians 12. You have a marker there, right? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 5. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. The word ministries here is the, uh, comes from the Greek diakonia. Diakonia. Um, there's, there is a Christianese word that we use, a, a, a word that we use in the church that sounds an awful lot like that. What is that? Deacon. Deacon. Yeah. And we know that deacons were first appointed in the church in the book of Acts 
when um, the widows were not being served as well as they should be. They were not getting the portions that they needed. And, and so the apostles came together and they appointed deacons. And most specifically, it's called, it's called table servers. The bottom line is that they are those who serve the body of Christ. Those are the ones who take care of or attend to the needs of the church. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We call, these, we call these ministry gifts um, because they have to do with the ministries given in the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, these gifts are listed in verse 11, if you look down there. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. But prior to that, he gives a context that's kind of curious. Look at verse 7 with me. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all heavens, all the heavens, and uh, that he might fulfill all things. Now, who is this speaking of? He who descended is also he who ascended. It speaks of Jesus, right? It speaks most specifically of his incarnation. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus though he had equality with God, did not count it something to be held on to, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, becoming obedient to the flesh, even death on a cross. Obedient to the point of death, excuse me. He took on human flesh. That's what this is speaking of. Jesus himself, royalty, heavenly royalty, taking on human flesh. But it also speaks of this idea of a of a triumphal entry, of a conquering king. He's, he, he takes this one little verse, verse 8, he plucks that out of Psalm 68, verse 18. Now, we're not going to go there, but that speaks of this idea of a conquering king coming in after battle to his hometown. And he brings with him a whole host of people walking behind him. And who are those people? Those are the ones that he has conquered. And they come home with him as slaves, most specifically. Paul does a very interesting thing. He spins this Old Testament idea with a New Testament thought in that we are the company that come with Christ as conquered but we are not slaves that are serving him unwillingly. Rather, we are slaves who have been set free. That's a glorious picture, isn't it? And in so doing, he give, gives gifts. Now, what's he say here? He gives gifts. In verse 11, he gives these gifts. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, Teachers. 
These gifts, if you look at it really carefully, these gifts are people. They are people who are specially equipped and called by God to fulfill these particular roles within the church. Who did Jesus give these spiritual people gifts to? Well, there's a clue in verse 12. Take a look at that. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. He gave these spiritual gifts, these people gifts, to us, the body of Christ, the church, for the equipping of the saints, that's all of us who call Jesus Lord, for works of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. That's why these roles are here. It's curious. I, I read uh, My Utmost for His Highest, written by um, a, a devotional book uh, by Oswald Chambers every morning. And this morning's devotional reads this way. The church ceases to be a spiritual society when it is on the lookout for the development of its own organization. Jesus Christ sent apostles and teachers for this purpose, that the corporate personality might be realized. We are not here to develop a spiritual life of our own or to enjoy spiritual retirement. We are here to realize Jesus Christ, so to realize Jesus Christ that the body of Christ may be built up. The thought is that we are not here for ourselves, we are here for one another. And that's what these gifts are for. Now there's a third type of spiritual gift, and it's found, guess where? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go back there. Verse 6. Now there are varieties of effects but the same God who works all things in all persons. The word effects is the, has the same root as the word that we get energy from, the idea of energy. It's, it's the idea of working, of activity, to effect, the operation of, the, the evidence of. Now he goes on to tease that one specific one out. But to each is given, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one, to every or any believer, he gives a specific manifestation or something that makes visible or observable the supernatural expression of God in a given moment or a given situation, making the power and the presence of Christ himself evident. That's what the manifestation of the Spirit is all about. It's observable evidence of God's very particular interest and involvement and his influence in a specific moment or situation. That's what the manifestation of the Spirit is for. And if you would, look back again. At verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? 
for the common good. It's not for the enjoyment or the indulgence of any individual. It's not about highlighting any one person's super spirituality. It's for the common good. Now, the manifestations of the Spirit are, verse 8, For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, another a word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. These are works of the Holy Spirit given to any individual in a given situation to highlight the activity of God. Now, I'm curious, have any of you experienced in a conversation with someone sharing with them some really wise thought that you have no idea where it came from? Anybody had that experience? Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in you in a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge is very similar. Something that God reveals to you in the moment for the specific situation for the purpose of highlighting his incredibleness in the moment. Faith. How many of you have experienced being in a, in a situation where, I, I tell you what, it's just, it's impossible to believe that anything could work out, but God has given you a very singular vision of faith in that moment, and it's gotten you through, and maybe has gotten other people through. Anybody experienced that before? Yeah. That's the manifestation of faith. Gifts of healing. These are, these are places where God gives in the moment, in a given situation, a healing touch. And he does, through, does so through the prayers of the saints around him. The effecting of miracles, the exposing of miracles, the, 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 the delivery of, the working out of miracles, it's the same sort of thing. In the moment God delights to reveal himself through the individual believer in that given situation. Distinguishing of spirits. Note that the word spirit is not capitalized. It's not the, this is not talking about the Holy Spirit. This is talking about other spirits. Now, whether they be demonic or simply humanistic, how many of you have recognized that, that in our culture, there's a desire, it seems, or a trend to erase the division between right and wrong? It's happening, isn't it? You can, with spiritual eyes, see in a situation the fact that this particular thing is of God and this particular thing is not. Though the world would say, it's all gray, it's all okay, you are able to discern, distinguish between that which is right that which is wrong, that which is of God, that which is not. 
various kinds of tongues. That's speaking of speaking in an unknown language. Experience that at Pentecost, right? Book of Acts, chapter 2. The speaking in an unknown language. Now, that may be the language of another country or dialect that you are not familiar with, that God blesses you with. That's what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 2. But it may be even another worldly language if, you, if, if that is what God blesses you with. Now, that's not craziness. It's simply the manifestation of the Spirit. And the, the Apostle Paul, in another location, speaks of the fact that God, God speaks to us or through us in groans that are unutterable. That's what that's speaking about, that God is able to give us the capability of expressing the inexpressible. Now, the last one is the interpretation of tongues. Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is very clear in saying, if, if a tongue is spoken in a public place, it must have an interpretation for the sake that it should benefit the body. That is to say that there are times when the, the tongue is spoken in private. Paul is very clear in saying later on, and I encourage you to read this uh, later on in, in chapter 12, that, that that tongue is meant for the edification of that individual believer. Because it is God giving utterance to that which is unspeakable. That's the gift of tongues. Now, the interpretation of tongues is for the sake of the body of believers gathered together so that we might understand what God is saying. Now, why does God make himself known in these ways? Why does he manifest himself in these ways? What's the purpose of these manifestations. Let's look here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members and all members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. Is it not for that reason any less a part of the body? And if an ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. Is it not for that reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the sense of smell? But now God has placed the, the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would, be, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem to be less honorable, 
are on these we bestow more abundant honor and our unseemly members that's an old word that that means eh, not so attractive and our unseemly members come to have more abundant seemliness or attractiveness whereas our seemly members have no need of it but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. The body is many members. The unity, the health, the fulfillment of God's design in the body is seen in every part doing their part to keep the body from falling apart. Let me say that again. Every part doing their part is essential to keeping the body from falling apart. The health of the body is maintained and improved by the full exercise of the gifts God has given to the church, found there in Ephesians 4, and the gifts given to individuals, found in Romans chapter 12, through the ministry or the manifestation of the Spirit seen in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice. We are all affected by the suffering or the success of one. And vice versa, each one of us is affected by the health or the unhealth of the whole. It's not about one. It's about all of us. Go with me back to Romans chapter 12. We have this idea, this same idea spoken here. Let's begin in verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Bottom line, be humble. Verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, we all have a very unique and a very vital role to play in the body. Verse 5. So, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We belong to each other. Then verse 6. Since, because of, or in light of, since we have gifts, each one of us, individually, every single one of us has gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Everyone is different, distinct in the way God manifests that gift in them. 
according to the grace given to us. According to the grace, that's undeserved favor. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you learn. It's not something that you even aspire to. It is given by the grace of God. It is given. This is God's deal. It's His design. Let each exercise, let each one, every single one of us, exercise. That means, what is that? That's an order. Imperative. That's an order. Work at it. Expend your energy, your effort to practice and perfect the use of that gift. And then the next word, accordingly, I think is the most important word in that whole sentence. I need two volunteers to help me with, with an example. I've got, are you, no, you're going to help me move it. I need two volunteers. One, two, come on up, come on up. This word, accordingly, is illustrated very well in the kitchen. In the kitchen. Now, I've got ingredients here. You guys, come on up here. Let's, let's move this out just a little bit. Okay. Now, I've got mixing bowls and all of this stuff. This stays in the middle, but this stays over here and this stays over here. You guys, put all of that stuff, mix all of this together. Hold these luscious morsels out till the very end, all right? What are those? Uh, chocolate chips. Chocolate chips, yes. Yes. Now, take... What? Look at that. Hey. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, you guys, go ahead and put these... All, mix these things up in these bowls here. All, all of that stuff, okay? Yes, use all of it. Just dump it all together. Every bit of it. Except the chocolate chips. We're going to hold those out to the very end, all right? So get busy. This word according or accordingly is illustrated here in the kitchen as we put things together following a recipe. Every individual piece is absolutely necessary for this to turn out the way it's supposed to. Now, if, I, if we hold out one item, is the recipe going to turn out? Probably not. Probably not. And if we have the excess of one item, you think it's going to turn out the way it was supposed to? Probably not. And there's something curious that goes on here. It's not just all this stuff. It's, it's, it's how they are put together. And when they are put together, that matters a great deal. Every single piece is critical to the outcome. Now, hopefully the outcome is going to be a delectable delight. All right? So far, I think we're getting there. Okay. 
Okay, that was the brown sugar. Okay, very good. Now, mix all that up. Mix all that up real good. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Now, go ahead and uh, once you get it pretty well mixed up together, go ahead and add those uh, chocolate chips. That's going to be part of the best part. Yeah, those sweets make it all worthwhile. Now, I know you ladies are saying, oh, no, a microwave and cookies, they don't go together, right? <laughs> well, this is a, this is a microwave recipe um, that I got where else but the Internet, okay? And so we're going to see. Now, guys, go ahead and put, put, the, put the chocolate chips in there. Okay, and go ahead and put them, put them all in there. Jump, dump them all, yeah. And, and then mix those in really well. And I'm going to help you out here very quickly so that while you guys are mixing, I'm going to butter this little dish so that it doesn't stick when we put it in the oven, all right? And now I need for you to uh, grab that, that dough and... Uh, work them, take about half of it, half of the dough, and roll it into a ball for me. That's what you do with cookies, right? That's how you make cookies on a cookie sheet. You put a little ball together, smash it together, take about half of it, and, and make it into a ball and put it right in the center of that greased little deal right there. Now, the curious thing is, these guys don't know it. But the portions of salt and sugar got mixed up on one of them. I'm not sure which one. I'm not sure which one, but, okay, that looks good. Stick it right in the middle there. All right. Yeah, let's go ahead and put that in there. Now, the, the, uh, the directions say that we should uh, uh, put these in the microwave for a minute but since since we I have no idea whose is whose now but mine was one you mine's that that one okay all right I'm gonna put them this way so that I know okay now it says put them in for a minute but I'm gonna put them into two for two minutes because um, there's two of them in there right that's how it works that's that's how it works with a microwave anyway right um, so now the, the curious thing is, is that what's happening here is with this recipe is it's, it's both the portions being put, put in at the right time and all of that. And, but it, there's chemistry involved, right? With, with baking, there's chemistry involved. And what happens is that, that the, the end product is more than the sum total of the parts. And that's the way it is with our spiritual gifts. The sum total of what God does among us as the body of Christ is much more than the sum total of the parts just mixed together because there's chemistry that happens. We're going to find out a little more about that chemistry next week. As we talk about these gifts listed here in Romans chapter 12, the motivational gifts, every single one of us in this room has 
a motivational gift, at least one. And it's critical that as believers, as the body of Christ, we learn to know what those gifts are and know how they interact, know what the chemistry uh, problem looks like so that we can end up with a delectable delight instead of a disaster. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Now we've got 15 more seconds here. It smells good, right? Do you smell it? Yeah. Yeah, something's going on here. Now, it's kind of cool that uh, the Apostle Paul speaks of us being the aroma of Christ. Maybe we smell like chocolate chip cookies. All right. There is one, and there's two. You guys can uh, fish these out with these, with these spatulas there if you want. Now, they're going to be warm, so uh, don't burn yourself. But if you, if you can, go ahead and put them on a... On a here, that's yeah, all right. It's all right. Put them on there, and take a... Let, let's do the taste test. Oh, terrific. There you go. You can, you, he's, look at that. He's going to cut it so that he's afraid to bite into it. Uh, oh, he's leaving some for me. Okay. There we go. I'm curious how this turned out. Not quite sure. He got the salty one. It's kind of curious that it doesn't, it still looks like a ball, doesn't it? It's not, it's not a cookie, it's a ball. And that's because of the chemistry involved. And, and so it's not, these, these don't even end up looking the same because the stuff got mixed up. Thank you guys very much. Give my hand. You can take that with you, yeah. Absolutely. Now, go with me again one last time to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As the ushers come, um, we're going to share communion. And it's curious to me that the, the Apostle Paul here uh, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians speaks about spiritual gifts, spirit, the manifestations in the, of the Spirit, and indeed speaks of all of the spiritual gifts given to the church and his people. Now, with that, in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, we have some instruction given to the church about the Lord's Supper. It's no coincidence, I do, do believe, that the instruction of what it means to be the body of Christ in light of the spiritual gifts that God has given to us it follows this instruction about the Lord's Supper. I'd invite the ushers to go ahead and begin to distribute as we clarify this. The Lord's Supper in there in the First Corinthian church was, was getting all out of whack. They were coming together for what they called a love feast, and some were gorging themselves into gluttony, actually, while others went hungry. And the Apostle Paul says, it should not be this way. 
Rather, you should be taking care of one another. It should be a community experience. This is not about the individual. It's about the whole. And that's what we experience as we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. Worship team is going to lead us as we prepare.